I am pleased to welcome back to the 630 Chet Airwaves, a former member of the Edmonton Oilers who recently made the decision to retire from professional hockey. It is the native of Elk Point, Alberta, Mark Latestu. Mark, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well. It is nice to talk to you again. How is retirement treating you? I, I doubt you're sitting around in a rocking chair and uh, drinking fine scotch all day. What have you been up to? <laughs> no, I'm not allowed to do any of that. I've uh, got three little ones to chase off to school and, and all the sports. So I'm, I'm keeping busy, but also getting a chance to, to sit back and watch uh, some hockey and some sports, uh, I guess, through the lens of a fan uh, rather than a player, which has kind of been nice. So, so does it feel different watching an NHL game now that, that you're not, um, you know, a formal member of the league? Well, I, I view it differently. I see mistakes. I see systems. Uh, so all the, a lot of the joy that I had as a kid has been sucked out of it by, uh, by being a player. But I'm starting to kind of let some of that stuff go, uh, starting to enjoy the game for what it is. And uh, it's been fun to kind of sit with my kids and explain sometimes what's going on and, and the questions they have. So I get to vicariously get to live back through them, uh, maybe what I experienced as a kid. Now, remind everybody how old your kids are and if – hockey is is their number one sport or if they maybe have been uh, enticed by by something else along the way here yeah at nine seven uh boys and a five-year-old girl they're all playing hockey uh i, I don't know if it's their favorite uh, i feel like it's it's too too early for them to have a favorite anything uh so they they enjoy it for now uh, they've never complained going to the rinks so uh, as long as that's the case we'll, we'll try and provide them that opportunity to, to enjoy and love the game all right. I want to I want to go down a couple lanes with it today, Mark, because on the weekend we saw the game in the couple of games in Lake Tahoe. And you guys, when you were in Edmonton Order, you played an outdoor game in Winnipeg. Now the the game got well pushed back several hours. They played the first period, Vegas and Colorado Saturday afternoon. They had a massive first intermission. Players actually, you know, could have to leave, go have a nap, eat or whatever. And then they came back and finished it at night. The sun was an issue. The ice was an issue. October 23rd, 2016, Oilers at Jets. Investors Group Field in Winnipeg, relatively new CFL stadium for the Bombers. Sold out crowd. Everybody's excited. And that game was delayed by a couple of hours. I mean, what do you remember about going, well, first of all, maybe finding out that the game was going to be delayed. I mean, Rob, Rob and I were on the air at that time and they said, well, the, you know, the sun is an issue. And we were thinking, isn't the sun in that position in the sky every time at, the, at this time of year in, in Winnipeg? Tell me about finding out there was going to be a delay and, and going through all that stuff. Yeah, we had, we really hadn't had any idea uh, that it was going to be delayed. We came there prepared to play. Uh, we, we thought the sun was going to be a fact with uh, some of the brightness, some of the glare, because uh, we'd had practice the day before. And there was just spots on the ice where the sun would hit it. And you'd actually lose the puck in it. Uh, so we thought that was going to be an issue. And it actually was for, for part of the first period, even though they had delayed. Uh you know, and my understanding is they, they delayed, you know, this game, the Lake Tahoe game because of ice conditions and the sun. But you would hope, uh, you know, that they had maybe, you know, had some research done on the sun positioning uh, and the effect it might have on the ice. But I guess these outdoor games are still fairly new. 
Uh, you know, and then to be honest, they got some pretty good photo ops at the Lake Tahoe and the daylight. And maybe that's why they pushed forward uh, just to get some photo ops. And then unfortunately the delay uh, on the players and then some of the stresses it puts on them. Uh, but, that, you know, again, at least they got the game in. So what did you guys do during the two hour delay? I mean, did you know how long it was going to be and what did you do to try to stay sharp and make sure you still had energy for the game? Yeah, I'd like to say there was uh, some really professional, profound uh, thing that we did that kept us loose or light. Uh, we didn't really know when it was going to end. Uh, you know, eventually through the channels of the league, uh, they'd given us a time and it was a few hours out. But, uh, you know, Joey Moss was in there. He was he was keeping things light. Uh, guys were laughing. Uh, you know, I'm pretty sure a few guys ate hot dogs. You know, there really wasn't much uh, special going on, but uh, I guess some of the, maybe the nerves of the game would have been lost by then, and he just went out and played the game uh, out of kind of desperation just to be over with. What what was it like playing in a football stadium once you got out there and the game start rolling? Did, did, did the dimensions and the vibe feel different? Well, I had an advantage. Uh, I already played in one. Uh, we had one at Heinz Field uh, when I was with the Penguins, which was actually delayed as well. Uh, but that was earlier in the day because of rain. Uh, so we'd actually played that one under the lights. So I had kind of gone through a similar situation. Uh, so I knew going into that Winnipeg game, kind of with some of the, the feel of what a game like that is, the fans really aren't as big a factor as you would think, even though there's more. It seems like they're far enough away from the ice surface that sound really doesn't project or carry the way it would in a, in a closed arena. Uh, but the, the spectacle of it, uh, the outdoors, uh, kind of the whole lead-up to the game and, and how special it is, it really doesn't feel like another regular season game. Uh, it feels special. Uh, so it, it was really cool to be a part of a couple times for me. Uh, and even to get a goal uh, in, in the last one there was, was pretty fun. Yeah, you got a shorthanded goal. Oilers got three goals in the second period, won that one 3 nothing, And start a great October for you guys that year on the way to ending a, a 10-year playoff drought for the franchise. When you look back, look, we talk about the cliche all the time. You got to have a good start. You got to have a good start. But tell tell me about the significance of those games in October for launching you guys onto a pretty good season. Well, I just think it takes the pressure off. I think, you know, as you're chasing the standings and then every game becomes uh, that much more important, uh, you know, for the standings. Uh, if you get a little bit of breathing room, uh, the, the the freedom in your game can kind of come out. You're not, you know, so much concerned and having to answer questions about what this two points means or having to look at the standings. When you get a little breathing room, uh, some confidence can grow. Uh, you got an opportunity to, to kind of play a little bit more free. Uh, so it was a good start's always kind of a, kind of a catalyst for a good year. Uh, you can kind of not have to play that playoff pace and, urgency that, that can be really taxing on the body and and mentally for two months you know instead uh, ratchet it up just a few more weeks before the playoffs so anytime you can get a start uh get a little bit of the lead uh, you can just kind of ride that wave into into what is a hopefully successful playoff 
Mark Letestu joining us tonight on the Faceoff Show. We're getting you ready for the Oilers and the Canucks coming up at 8 o'clock. The Oilers will try to win four in a row. Uh, Mark, I was glad to hear you're, you're watching a lot of hockey. Uh, this former teammate of yours, a gentleman by the name of Connor McDavid, hit 500 career points last uh, last week. And in- inevitable, obviously, that he was, he was going to get to that milestone. But he's had a few highlights here in the last few games. Yeah, he's, he's special. I mean, that, that's obviously been clear uh, since the day he was drafted. Uh, it's it's nice to have been able to have played with him, uh, and it's nice to see him, you know, really see his hard work pay off in some of the score sheet stuff. Uh, but knowing him, uh, I'm sure he'd trade it all to, to win a Stanley Cup. So as all the individual accolades pile up, I'm sure there's one he's still chasing, and, and I'm hoping that he, he eventually gets a chance to, to raise that thing. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell everybody here about something you said to me in the fall of 2015, and that was your your first year here with, with Edmonton, and you and I were just chatting in the dressing room, not with, with an interview, obviously before Connor unfortunately got hurt and had to miss a good chunk of that season, but, you know, he'd already ha- had some highlights and was a- around a point a game as a rookie, and I remember you said to me, just wait until he figures the league out. <laughs> I don't know if you've ever said that to me, but I remember you said, just just wait until he really figures the league out. Um, and I'm sure he would tell you he's still doing that. But uh, how long does that take for a young player or a rookie player? Or how long does it did it take you to sort of figure the league out and, and what it's like night to night? Yeah, I'm not sure I ever figured it out. You might have to ask <laughs> uh, somebody else that, that maybe has it. Uh, but but it takes time, and and what I mean, you know, for him to figure it out, uh, you know, the the face-offs part of it, you know, there's an extra, you know, probably for him another 10 to 15 points on the year just on one draws, uh, the changes in pace that he has to use on defensemen, uh, you know, the goal he scores the other night on Markstrom where he's not even looking at the net, he's finding different ways to attack goaltenders. Uh, he was coming off where he's playing junior kids and it was probably easy for him for a while. Uh, now he's, his peers are, you know, closer in his skill level. It's harder. He has to find a way to be unpredictable and, and change up the way he's going to attack. So I think for, for a player like that, it, the, the learning curve is, is much easier uh, than, than somebody with less skill, but there's still, uh, the amount of tape that goes and the focus that goes into a player like that by the opposition, uh, he has to find a way to be diverse in his attack. And I think that's why he's been successful every year and probably even being more successful year to year is that he's finding a way to adapt to the way teams are able to check him. I'm going to really put you on the spot here, Mark, because you know I'm good at that over the years. Um, now that you're watching more as a fan and not as a player, and I know Connor draws a lot of penalties, but there's always those moments where it's like, ah, oh, he was held, ah, oh, he was he, he was hooked, and Rob and I get questions after games about the, the the officiating. You know, now that you're not in it anymore, does like are you comfortable with how it's enforced especially against some of the star players do you, do you see it differently now and think whoa 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 what's what's going on there why are they calling that and not this well there certainly could be more calls and there's always going to be 
uh, for somebody like Connor who plays at such a high speed. Uh, the only way a, a lot of teams have or defensemen, maybe they're flat-footed, is to to get a hand on them or a stick on them. Uh, and I, I've seen the same thing with, with Sid when I was in Pittsburgh. You know, if he got three penalties called against him, he probably deserved eight. And that's, you know, whether that's fair or not, uh, that that's just the standard the league has always had. Uh, that's the way it's always been called. Uh, it's it's Maybe it's unfortunate, I don't know, uh, but... I guess sometimes those guys are going to have to just play through a little bit more, uh, whether whether we like it or not. I think it's it's something that those guys have have played through for a while. Uh, whether you know if they're getting ten calls a night, it's going to be viewed as preferential treatment. If they're not getting, you know, if they're getting less than they're called, they're going to be, you know, they're not getting enough. I think it's one of those things where you're damned if you do, if you're damned if you don't. Uh, they could always call more. I'm sure there's some people on the other end that says they could, you know, call less. So I, I don't know if you're ever going to make it happy, but those high-level guys that play at such a high speed and they're so difficult to check, sometimes the only way to check them is to get a stick on them, and I'm sure there could be more calls. And how long were you in the league? And I know, obviously, you know, you played AJ, you played NCAA, you played in the AHL. But how long were you in the NHL before you felt comfortable talking to a ref or a linesman if you had an issue? And I know there's a professional way to go about it, but did, was that a was that a barrier you had to get through as well? Yeah, for me, the linesmen were always more approachable for me, and that was just as a centerman. Uh, but but I always knew there was a way I had to that I had to talk to them. It was never in a, a demanding sort of way. You kind of had to approach them in a partnership you know they, they you don't want to show them up uh they don't want to show you up so the, you always try to build a rapport with those guys i think when i uh you know i'm pretty quiet on the ice when it comes to officials uh, i've never seen them change their mind when you argue with them uh but when i figured out that it was it was the respect had been earned is when uh the referees you know would come up to me and, and ask me on things uh or refer to me by the first name and come to the bench and ask how things are. Uh, you know, they're as much a part of the NHL game as anything. And, and it really as players, uh, when you treat them as partners out there and try not to show them up, uh, you know, they take care of you a little bit. Yeah. All right. Uh, dare I ask uh, what, what's next for you? Have you thought about that? Or just still kind of uh, decompressing after announcing the retirement? Yeah, I mean, part of it's decompressing. Uh, part of it's just waiting for the right opportunity, and part of it's probably waiting for the the world and, and teams' uh, regular operations to kind of return. Uh, so there, there's a lot of factors involved. I certainly want to get back into the game as quickly as possible. Uh, you know, what facet? I'm not sure yet, uh, but I'm excited for for whatever kind of comes uh, out of it. All right. Well, Mark, it's always uh, it's always great to have you on the airwaves. We've done a we've had a lot of great interviews over the years, and uh, and this is another one. So enjoy the game tonight. If if you're gonna, you might have to tape this one. You might have to pull out the VCR and watch it in the morning. It's pretty late there in the Easter time. So, but thanks so much for checking in tonight, man. Yeah, it's rough watching these games on the West Coast. So I might have to uh, TiVo that one. There we go. See you, Mark. See you, bud. That's Mark Letestu. Check it in tonight. Uh, of course, uh, almost three full seasons with your Edmonton Oilers.